John 17, verse 16, this is Jesus speaking, it's in red. Um, the part, all the Bible's important, but the parts in red are Jesus. I mean, they're extra important. So I tell people, you know, if it's in red, it's really important. So that's where utility bill companies get it from. If you have a utility bill and it's in red, it's very important. So remember that. So this is Jesus speaking. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to even read the whole verse. I'm going to just read the first five words. It says, they are not of the world. Did you know that you are not of this world? You are not of this world. And you know what? We need to thank God for that, that we're not of this world. You know, Colossians 1.13 says that you have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and been translated, been repositioned into the kingdom of the son of his love. God loves you so much that when you gave your life to him, when you accepted Jesus, he took you out of this world, out of the kingdom of darkness, and put you into the kingdom of the son of his love. Isn't that powerful truth? You may recognize from my accent I'm not a Colorado native. We try and kid people, but they don't believe us. Um, in fact, our daughter, she's, um, when she was about 14, Hannah, she was, when she was about 14, she, uh, apparently the English accent's cool for like 14-year-old girls. I know that's true or not. But, so she told her friends at school that she was English and they wouldn't believe her because our kids, we, when we moved over here, we moved here 15 years ago, our kids were so young that they picked up the American accent. So now our kids are bilingual. They speak English and American. <laughs> and um, so... So they speak with an American accent. They make fun of me and Carly now, our accents. So anyway, one day I was picking Hannah up from school. She's like 14, and she had all her friends with her. And she said, Dad, Dad, speak to my friends. They don't believe me that you're English. They don't believe me that you're English. So I couldn't help myself. I went, how you all doing? I'm from Texas. I said, oh, no. <laughs> so she was not happy about that. So just like your pastor, Pastor Mike, is not a native of Colorado. You can tell I'm not a native. Now, Pastor Mike's from about 1,000 miles or 2,000 miles out east. I'm from about 6,000 miles out east in England, praise the Lord. We moved here 15 years ago. And when we moved here, we realized that in America, you do things differently than you do in England. So you could say we left one kingdom, Great Britain, Royal Britannia and all that. I've got to learn the new song, God Save the King now, not God Save the Queen. But anyway, England, I moved from England. And we was translated, if you like, into America, United States of America. Now we're citizens. We've got all the paperwork. We spent all the money. And now we're fully-fledged citizens. It's true, sorry. So we're citizens now. But I realized pretty quick that you do things differently than in England. See, when you change kingdom, when you change address, you have to get with the different ways of doing things. So my first experience of this was driving. I was in Colorado Springs, driving down Academy Boulevard, a three-lane divided highway, just driving, just enjoying myself, got the worship music playing, I'm having a good time. And I look up and I see three cars driving straight towards me the opposite way. I thought, what are these three crazy people doing driving on the wrong side of the road? This is dangerous. And I was, it's me. All my life, I've been driving on one side of the road. I come to America and I've got to learn to drive on the other side of the road. These things are complicated. I mean, so I did a quick U-turn. They told me I was number one, them drivers. It was very nice of them. But I'll tell you, I've never, even now, it's tricky. Pumping gas. This just happened just fairly recently. I was pumping gas and I opened the passenger door and I sat in the passenger seat of my car, put my seatbelt on, looked up, no steering wheel. Steering was over there. I'm in the wrong side of the car. All my life, I've driven on this side of the car. And I think, I'm a bit paranoid. I'm thinking people might think I'm, you know, like, like dumb or something. So I made an excuse. I opened the glove box. I was like, looking for my owner's manual. Looking for the owner's manual. That's what I was doing here. I got out, walked around, got back in the right side of the car. How do you know, when you move kingdom, when you change address, there's different ways of doing things. When you gave your life to Jesus, spiritually speaking, you changed address. You are no longer belonging to this world. You belong to the kingdom of heaven. That's why 1 Corinthians 6 says that we're one spirit of the Lord. That's why Ephesians talks about we're seated with him in heavenly places. You, do no, you no longer belong to the world. You're just passing through. The apostle Paul says we're ambassadors here. 
An ambassador means this is not your home. You're just passing through. You're an ambassador here. Meaning this, the kingdom of God does things differently than the world. And if we keep trying to do things like the world do it, we're going to get frustrated. In fact, the kingdom of God operates the opposite way to the world. And if you think about this, if you want to be first, the kingdom of God says, be last. If you want to be the greatest leader, the kingdom of God says, be the greatest servant. If you have an enemy, the kingdom of God says, love them. If someone wrongs you, you know, you, you turn the other cheek. Someone steals your tunic. I'm not even sure what a tunic is, but if someone steals it, give them your cloak also. If you want wisdom, you speak in tongues, you speak in babble. We go on and on. If you, if you lack in money, the kingdom of God says give money away. See, all these things are opposite to the world's way of doing things, but we have to do them if we want to operate in the, in the things of God. So the truth is, Jesus paid the price for everything for us. Our ministry is about empowering believers in the promises of God. It's not about me and Carly. We want to empower people to walk in the promises of God. And the good news is we haven't got to strive or strain. We haven't got to beg God because God's already come down and taken our place and provided everything we need. Jesus was grace personified. He came down and he provided our healing, our peace of mind, our righteousness, our provision. He did it all for us. Now all we have to do by faith is say, yes, Lord, and accept it. But when we say yes, Lord, and accept it, we have to realize that we have to operate in the kingdom way of doing things. We can find these ways out in the word of God. The kingdom way of doing things will show us how to operate in this world because we can operate with kingdom values in this world. We're not of this world, but we live in this world. And we can see God's promises operate in this world. We don't have to wait to get to heaven before we see the victory. Amen. So one of the things the Lord showed me was, is that, you know, God wants us to be recession proof as the body of Christ. He doesn't want us to live off of this economy. Have you know, this economy can go up and down. We've experienced it, right, several times. It goes up and down. There's recessions, there's depressions, there's pandemics or plandemics, some people say. There's, there's things happen that can affect the economy. Maybe you're watching from another country today. Your country's economy can go up and down. It's not stable. You can't trust in your country. You can't trust in your country's economy. You can't trust in your job. You can't trust in your business. What do we trust in? We trust in God. And his economy. He's our source. He's the one who looks after us. He's our good father. So we trust in him. So what we have to understand is, is that we can be in a position where we don't have to worry about what's going on in the world. It's a position of strength. You know, the Apostle Paul said, none of these things move me. Whatever's going on in the outside circumstances do not have to move us. In fact, as the body of Christ, as the church, the things that happen on the outside should not move us. We should not get in a bunch of fear when someone says something bad's happening. We shouldn't all of a sudden get scared when they say the economy is going to go down or there's going to be a recession. We shouldn't panic when they say there's going to be another disease come along. We're the body of Christ. We're above these things. We're above only, not beneath. We're above the circumstances, not beneath them. We're, we're from a different planet. We're not of this world. Some of you said, yeah, I know that. <laughs> you, should, you should meet my family. They're definitely not on this planet. I'm telling you, we're, we're not of this world. We're out of this world. We are seated with him in heavenly places. And we have to understand these things. It's a position of strength. When you understand these things, nothing will move you. And you'll be like, you know what? This is not going to be no problem. Because I get, my, I get my source from God and not from this world. You know, we have to, if we're going to be recession proof, we're going to have to do some things. First of all, we have to understand it's God who blesses us. Our provision comes from God. He's our father. He loves us. And I'm going to look at three proverbs here that's really going to help us. Three different proverbs that show that God is our father and how God blesses us. And it's going to show us how God blesses us and how he provides for us. Is that okay? So Proverbs, the first proverb is Proverbs 10.22. Proverbs 
Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Oh, there's a word people get upset about. That same word in Proverbs used rich there is also used in other places. Um, King David used it, Solomon used it, meaning substance. You can study it out. It means wealth. It means money. It means substance. It means tangible things, not just spiritually rich. It means tangible things. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. You know, we could look at second, we won't go there now, but second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. New Testament verse. Yet though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that us through his poverty might be made rich. Just like Jesus took on sickness, you know, first Peter two twenty four, he took stripes on his back so that we could be healed. Just like Jesus took on our sin, you know, in Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty one, it says he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that now through him we could be the righteousness of God. He took our sin, we get his righteousness. He took our sickness, we get his healing. He took our anxiety and our torment, we get his peace. He took our lack and our poverty, and we take his provision and his riches. It's a great deal. I'm telling you, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. And people get mad when you say rich. They say, well, that sounds like greed to me. No, I think it sounds like growth. I think rich actually means this. It means that you can have enough and extra. My definition of rich, we've been, we've been privileged enough to go to Asia, Africa, Central America, all around the world. We've seen some real poverty. We've seen some real, real people that are struggling. And we've also seen some prosperous people. And what we believe is, is that God's definition of rich is having enough and extra. We won't go there, but if you go over to the next chapter, another financial chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, says, God's able to make all grace abound towards you, that you have in all sufficiency in all things, meaning all your bills met all the time, who would like that? I'd like that. All your bills met all the time. Your mortgage paid, your rent paid, your car paid. Everything paid all the time. But it doesn't just stop there. It says, we'll have an abundance for every good work. So God's idea of prosperity is to have an abundance for every good work. See, if we don't understand the reason why God wants to prosper us, if we don't understand why God wants to make us rich, we will get confused and we'll either abuse it or reject it or neglect it. It won't get you. If you don't understand the purpose of something, you don't understand the purpose of marriage, There'll be, it won't work. If you don't understand the purpose of things, it won't work. I heard this story many years ago about a lady who gave her elderly father an iPad for his birthday. So she gave him an iPad, you know, iPads, great things. And um, she sent it ahead, and then a few months later, she went to visit him. And she said, Dad, how would you like your present? He was an elderly gentleman, you know, she thought he'd like it to be able to communicate and FaceTime and all that. So he said, oh, I love it. I use it every day. And he went in the kitchen, and he was chopping carrots on it. And he... <laughs> He put it in the dishwasher. He never even turned it on. It's like a 500-pound chopping block, chopping board. So he didn't understand the purpose of that thing. Therefore, it got abused. It, was, it wasn't used right. If you don't understand the purpose of God prospering us, the purpose of God prospering us is that he can establish his covenant. He can show the world how much he loves them. We can be a blessing. He's going to bless us just like he blessed Abraham so that we can be a blessing. So we shouldn't be shy about saying, you know what? God wants us rich. God wants to provide for us. God's provision for us is always going to be more than enough. So Proverbs 10.22 says, it's the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich, and he has no sorrow to it. God wants to bless you and prosper you so that you'll have your needs met and you'll have extra, and you won't have to sacrifice your health or your family or your sanity or your church attendance. You can, God can bless you, and there'll be no sorrow with it. So the first thing we've got to understand is that we have to believe this. We have to believe that God has made us rich. We have to believe that God has prospered us, regardless of the outside circumstance. See, one of the keys to walking by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight, is by making the word of God more real in our life than our natural circumstances. You might say, Ashley, you don't understand. I've, I've got no money. I'm in debt. 
I've got no way out. How can you say I'm blessed and prosperous? Well, the spiritual truth is, the real you, you are blessed and prosperous. It's just sometimes takes some time. Sometimes you have to renew your mind to see that on the outside. Just like if you're sick today, you've got symptoms in your body. I bet Pastor Mike will be the first to confess this. You are healed, even if your body is showing symptoms. Because the real you is healed. You're just going to have to renew your mind in that area so that your body will line up with the real you. You can do this in any area. You can say, I'm righteous. You should say, I'm the righteous of God. You say, Ashley, you don't understand. On the way here, I cut someone up. On the, you know, this morning, I had a, a fight with my spouse. I, I sinned, you know. That's the outside. The inside you, the real you, the spiritual you. You're a spirit, soul, and body, right? The real you is righteous. And if you identify with the real you and start saying, you know, I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I'm righteous. Then guess what happened? That sin will fall off. Because you identify more with the real you than your unrenewed you. And it's the same with prosperity. We need to get to the point and say, bless God, I am prosperous. Bless God, I'm, bless God, I've got more than enough. And you do that by faith, and guess what happens? Your natural circumstance will start lining up. That's why it's important to get these confession cards. Start confessing who you really are. You know, we need to agree with what God says about us. God never looks at you and goes, look at that sorry, sick, broke person. He doesn't look at it like that. He looks at us as more than conquerors. He looks at us as victorious. He looks at us as prosperous, as people that are going above only, not beneath. People that are, that are prospering every area of their lives. So we need to agree with how God sees us so that we can start lining up with his word. And what will happen is our natural circumstances will line up with the truth. So it's a blessing the Lord makes, makes one rich. We have to believe that and say, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed. When you got born again, you became blessed. I tell people there's only two types of people that get born again okay there's those who are born again and are blessed and believe it and there's those that are born again and blessed and don't believe it in case you missed that let me say that again there's those that are born again and are blessed and believe it and there's those who are born again and blessed and don't believe it so when you got born again it's too late automatically you became blessed the question is are you going to believe it or not and it's a lot more fun to believe it and walk in it we've tried both We've had seasons in our life, me and Kylie, we've, had, we've been, on the outside, it looks like we're so not blessed. I mean, we've had times when I've gone to the store and all I've had is enough money to either buy coffee or cereal. I'm like, man, that's a tough decision. <laughs> like, I've got to pray about this one. Am I going to be tired and hungry or hungry and tired? I mean, it's, it's like, it's tough. We've had those situations. We've had those situations where we've had nothing going for us, but we've always stuck with it and said, you know what? God says we're blessed. We're blessed. And guess what happens? It's just been a matter of time before things have turned around. So we have to believe that we're blessed to start with. And then you might say, actually, how do I see these things operate? What's the, if you like, what's the action? You know, James 2 says you have to be action to your faith. You have to, faith without works is dead. You have to do something while you're believing. You're not making God do anything. God's already done his part, but you're actually appropriating what he's already done. So if I was to give you a check today and say, here's a check for $1,000, I'm not going to do it, don't get excited. But here's a check for $1,000. You could take that check and then not cash it, not go to the bank, not deposit it. And you could say, you know what? That brother Ashley, he's never given me anything. He's just, no, I did, I'll give you $1,000, right? But you have to go down to the bank to cash it, right? And get that $1,000 cash or deposit it. Or I guess nowadays you can mobile deposit with your phones. Tough analogies um, gone out the window now. But you still have to do something, right, to deposit it. Whether you deposit it through your phone, whether you go to the bank, if you said, you know what, Brother Ashley came to church and he made me work like a dog for $1,000. He made me go down to the bank on Monday morning and cash that check. Or he made me get my phone, log into my bank and, and deposit that check. Can you believe how much work Brother Ashley made me do to that $1,000? Wouldn't that sound crazy? There was no work there, right? You was just appropriating what I'd already given to you. But that's what our faith response is to God's promises. 
God's promises are already yes and amen. He's already made his mind up. We just have to appropriate them. And one of the few things, I've got two things here we can do by faith to see this provision that God wants to give us manifest in our life. And this will make us recession-proof, depression-proof, pandemic-proof, whatever you want to put there. Whatever. Maybe you're having a personal recession or a personal depression. This will bypass all that. This will, this will help you get through all that, praise God. So we've already said Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. We start by believing that. The second one is, is Proverbs 13, 4. It says the diligent soul will be made rich. The diligent soul. Ouch. Usually when I say the diligent soul will be made rich, people run around, sing hallelujah. They think it's great. But it's true. You know, in Luke 16, Jesus talks about how if you're faith with a little, God will give you much. If you're faith with another man's, you'll get your own. If you're faith with unrighteous mammon, you'll get true riches. This is a spiritual concept. This is a spiritual law that if we're diligent with what God's put in front of us, we will get more. God will bless us. The diligent soul will be made rich. We have to be diligent to believe, but we also have to be diligent to put our hands to something. You know, um, Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 28.8 says, in fact, I love Deuteronomy 28.8. It's one of my favorite verses. Another one of my favorite verses in Deuteronomy is Deuteronomy 8.18. They're both great verses, right? So Deuteronomy 8.18 says, the Lord who's given you the power to get wealth. Do not forget the Lord your God, for it's he who's given you the power to get wealth so that he may establish his covenant. So God's given us power to get wealth. Isn't that important? He's given us that. He doesn't give us wealth directly per se. He gives us the power to get wealth. And then my second favorite verse in Deuteronomy is Deuteronomy 28.8. In fact, when I had my first book out, someone gave it to me and said, can you sign it for me? I never signed a book before. I didn't know what I was doing. It's my first book. I was like, okay, so I so just signed my name. And they said, no, no, you meant to put something inspiring in there. You know, write something in there like a little message or like a little prophecy or like a Bible verse. I was like, well, I like Deuteronomy 8.18. You know, do not forget the Lord your God. So he gives you the power to get off. But also like Deuteronomy 28.8. We're going to read that in a minute. Deuteronomy 28.8 says he's going to, Command the blessing on you. I was like, what should I put in there? So I put in there Deuteronomy 28.18. I got mixed up. And there was a line of people. So I put the first one, Deuteronomy 28.18. Then next, Deuteronomy 28.18. Next. And then I thought, hang on a minute. Is it Deuteronomy 28.18 or is it Deuteronomy 8.18? I got mixed up. So I looked at my Bible. Deuteronomy 28.18 is you're cursed and you're, you're cursed in your womb. The fruit of your womb is cursed. I mean, you're cursed. I was like, oh, no. So if you're one of those five or ten people that got my book back like ten years ago that I put Deuteronomy 2018, please, I'm sorry. Can you imagine if they got home? <laughs> Honey, I've just been to the conference. Brother Ashley, he wrote a personal message for our family. In the, in the, this is going to be our family verse. Little Johnny, come on, get the Bible. Get the family Bible out, the big one. Gather around. Gather around, kids. Okay, little Johnny, read it, read it. You are cursed with a curse. Strange promise there. Anyway. I get in trouble with that. So Deuteronomy 28.8 is what I want to read right now. Deuteronomy 28.8 says, The Lord will command a blessing. Do you know there's only two times the Lord commands a blessing in the Bible. When he commands a blessing, it cannot be undone. On unity, when we're in unity, you, we need to strive for unity. That doesn't mean we have to always agree on everything. It means you don't have to see eye to eye to walk hand in hand. You can have unity without even agreeing on everything. So unity. But the second thing here is he commands a blessing on your storehouses and all to which you set your hand. Have you know the works of your hands are blessed? God has commanded a blessing on your storehouses. I agree. It's good to have a storehouse. It's good to have savings, multiple savings accounts, investments, whatever you want to do. As long as you're not trusting those things. We never trust in those things. You don't say, oh, now I have X amount of money in the bank. I can, my soul can rest, you know. We don't want to do that. But it's good to have savings. It's good to have investments. It's good to be a good steward of things. It's not lack of faith. I know some people teach, if you save money, that's lack of faith. No, it's good to save money and to have investments and all things like that. That's fine. Just don't trust in those things. 
you know, you can have as much money as you want as long as that money doesn't have you. So you can trust things, you know, you can have savings accounts when you don't trust in those things. So if comes a blessing on your savings account, some of us need to start saving money because there's a commanded blessing on our savings, but a hundredfold of zero is zero. So give God something to work with. Save. If you've never saved before, save. $5 a week, $10 a week, $100 a week, whatever you can save, save. Jesus saves. Guys, <laughs> Jesus saves. That's very cute, honey. Jesus saves. I mean, heckled here. Jesus saves. But it's true, save. But the second thing here, he says, he'll bless. So that's going to hit some of you later. But the second thing here, he says, he's going to bless the works of your hands, all to which you set your hand to. When we set our hand to something, God blesses it. God blesses the works of our hands. In fact, did you know that work was a blessing? It always was meant to be a blessing. It always was a blessing. In fact, in, in Genesis 2, God gave Abraham, Abraham, Adam, God gave Adam a job before he gave him Eve or anything. I mean, the first thing God gave Adam to do was to work the garden, to tend the garden. And you can read that in Genesis 2, but guess what happened? Adam and Eve disobeyed God, right? And what happened when they disobeyed God in Genesis 3, Genesis 3, God says, now the ground's cursed because of your sake. Because you disobeyed, now the ground is cursed. And guess what happened in the ground? It had thorns and thistles in there. You've seen that? So now there's thorns and thistles in the ground. That means that when Adam went to work to tend to the garden and till the ground, he was getting, you know, uh, them thistles, them long thistles, jar him. He was getting pain. He could do the same amount of work but get less results. It was frustrating. It was hard work. And it says in Genesis 3, it says, you're going you're gonna to eat by the sweat of your brow. It's going to be hard to work now. Work's going to be hard. The works, the works of, of mankind's hands became cursed. But how do you know in, in Galatians 3.13, Jesus redeemed us from the curse. Amen. And if you ever wondered why they took a crown of thorns and set it on Jesus' head, they took those thorns, those same thorns from the ground. They took those thorns, made a crown of thorns, put them on Jesus' head. He had drips of blood, uh, uh, drops of blood coming down his forehead. Genesis 3 said, by the sweat of your brow, you'll eat. Now Jesus redeemed you from the curse of the works of your hands. Now the works of our hands are blessed. They're not cursed. He redeemed us from that curse. He redeemed us from that curse of thorns and thistles in the ground, meaning the works of your hands are blessed now, meaning that whatever you do, whatever you do during the day, whatever your work is, if you like, maybe you're a full-time parent, maybe you have a profession, maybe you have your own business, maybe you're a full-time student, whatever it is, that is blessed. If you choose to believe it, the works of your hands are blessed. And you put your hand to something and it becomes blessed. And God can do amazing things through the works of your hands. He can open doors. You have favor in the marketplace. Did you know that? You have favor. I'm, I'm speaking this over you, church. You have favor in the marketplace. You might have the minimum wage job on the bottom of the totem pole, but you have favor there. And God can promote you. You might have a small business. You say, actually, this business doesn't make any money. God can promote you. God can uh, bless that business. God can give you favor. He already has. You just have to activate it. He can give you favor in that business and you can see all sorts of blessings come about. When I was first uh, planted our church, me and Carly planted, helped plant a couple of churches back in England. And uh, the first one we helped plant, um, I was, we was associate pastors, but you know, it was a very small church. They didn't have any money to pay us. So I had to work a secular job, do some tent making while I was, while I was helping lead the church. So I went and got a job as a used car salesman. They say, how can you tell if a used car salesman's lying? His lips are moving, okay? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it was like, so I went and I sold used cars. But here's what I did. I prayed and I thanked God for that job. How do you know? My bosses were mean. I had some mean, heathen bosses. But I prayed and I thanked God for that job. And I was like, every time I went to that job, I was like, thank you, Lord, for this job. Thank you, Lord, that I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord. Just like Joseph, you blessed Potiphar's house for the sake of Joseph. You're going to bless this business for the sake of me. 
I don't care if you work in a place with 10,000 employees. Because you're there, the kingdom of God is there. Because you're there, you bring a blessing there. And we should pray for our bosses. We should pray for our managers and say, thank you, Lord, this place is blessed. And, you know, if you have to do it by faith, do it by faith. We call it a Romans 4.17. Speak those things that be not as if they are. I thank you, Lord, my boss is a kind person. You speak those things. But you pray in the Holy Ghost and you thank God for that job. And he will give you ideas. He'll give you supernatural solutions. Just like he gave them to Daniel, just like he gave them to Joseph, he'll give you supernatural solutions and you'll see favor come about in that workplace. It's amazing. I was praying one day and the Lord gave me an idea. Put the cars online on the internet. This is when the internet was just started. Brand new thing. That's how long ago it was. So I, I told my bosses, I said, the owners of the company, I said, can I put these cars online? They said, oh no, actually. They said, that, that internet's for geeks. That internet's that's just for nerds. He goes, no one's going to use that internet. That's not going to catch on. So I said, well... Could I do it myself? He said, if you want to do it yourself, use your own computer. You want to do it yourself, you do it yourself. Well, I prayed in the Holy Ghost. And I really felt like the Lord prompted me to do it. So I got the, took pictures of cars, put them up online on AutoTrader. And guess what? They sold more cars than ever. I mean, it was going crazy. So after a few months, I said to him, hey, can I get compensated for this? Like I'm doing this in my own time. You're saying all these cars. And they said, well, these are the two owners talking. We're not very convinced, actually. You know, we're not sure about it. Well, later on that day, I was on the phone and they... Went to put the phone, you remember the old phones? You put them down, you wouldn't quite, sometimes they wouldn't quite go down. Do you remember that? Nowadays, people don't understand, but the older people will. The real old phones, you know, the landlines, you put it down. Sometimes it wouldn't quite go down. Well, they were talking to me, and they put the phone down, and I could hear them. The Lord gave me insight to their conversation. It was awesome. And they were talking to each other, and they said, what are we going to do about Ashley? And one owner said to the other owner, well, whatever he asked for, we have to give it to him, because we've had the best sales He's turned this company around. And I'm only like early 20s. This is like, he said, this is amazing. They said like, we've, this has been the best thing that's ever happened to this company. We've made more money this couple of months than ever. Whatever he asked for, we'll give it to him. So guess what happened? The next day I went into work with boldness. I was like, this is awesome. So I sat down. I almost put my feet on their desk, but I didn't. I said, so here's what I felt like the Lord showed me to do. I said, I would like, we can't tell what cars are sold online and what cars are sold, you know, locally. We don't know what people are coming from the newspaper, what people are coming from the, from the website. I said, how about you just give me a commission on every car that's sold in this place? I'll put them all online in my own time and you give me a commission on every car that's sold. They said, we can't do that. That's impossible. I said, well, that's what I'd like. And guess what? We went back and forward about three or four days. I never budged because I knew what they'd already said. And they came to me and they said, we can't believe we're doing this, Ashley, but we're going to do it. Every car sold from this dealership, whether you're here or not, you're going to get a commission on. So I went and worked at the church. I came in there a few hours a, a, a day or maybe about three days a week, took pictures of the cars, uploaded them, and I got more than a full-time salary getting commission on every single car sold when I wasn't even there. People said, Ashley, you're underworked and overpaid. I was like, praise the Lord. That's what... The <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what God can do. He can give you those type of things. If you're diligent, if you believe in God, he can do those supernatural things. I'm sure many of you got testimonies that God supernaturally increased you. He can supernaturally increase you through the works of your hands. The works of your hands are blessed, amen? When you put your hands up, whether that's small business, whether that's a, a regular job, whether that's investments, whatever it is, you need to start getting up in the morning and saying, God, I thank you, Lord, the works of my hands are blessed. I thank you, Lord, my investments are blessed. My job's blessed. I thank you, my business is blessed. I thank you, everything I do today is blessed and it's going to prosper in Jesus' name. Start having that attitude and guess what the Lord will do? He'll, he'll do it. I'm telling you, he, this Holy Spirit will get involved and he'll start giving you supernatural solutions and supernatural answers, amen? So the first one is a diligent soul will be made rich. And the second one, real quickly, Proverbs 11, 25. Proverbs 11, 25 says the generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul. If you want to recession-proof your life, depression, you know, if you want to pack whatever it is that's coming your way, if you want to get to the point where you're living off of God's economy, 
I'm telling you, the generous soul will be made rich. You know, we use the verse, uh, Philippians 4.19. How many of you like, I love that verse. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. We use that all the time, right? It's a, it's a good fridge magnet verse. But how many of you know, the Apostle Paul was writing that to givers. If you back up, we haven't got time. If you back up and read three or four verses before that, he was talking to the givers. He was talking to the people that sacrificially gave to him, supported his ministry, his partners that were given to him. He said, now I know that my God's going to supply your needs. Because if we're honest, sometimes Christians don't get all their needs supplied. Why? Because they're not trusting God with their finances. And it's totally up to us. God's not going to force this on us. He said, do you want to trust me or not? Do you want to enter his economy or not? And the way we enter his economy is by trusting him first with our finances. So these people that Paul's talking to in, in Philippians 4.19, they were givers. And that's why Paul said, you know what? Because you're sacrificially giving, because you're putting God first, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. He says, I know that my God's going to supply your needs. See, a generous soul gives and says, I trust the Lord with my finances. I trust God with my money. I trust God that he's going to provide for me. And guess what happens? You're blessed back again. You know, in Acts 20, verse 35, Acts 20, verse 35, and they're quoting Jesus, and they said, Jesus said this, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Because when you give, you're allowing God into your finances. And guess what God does with everything that's sown? He increases it back to us. He increases seed sown so he can get more back to us. Praise God. I'm going to end with this story. You know, I was... um, uh, in Colorado, uh, near Woodland Park, many years ago, and uh, a famous preacher was in town. You, if I told you who he was, you probably would have heard of him. And um, he was in town, and I, I said to him, if, next time you're in town, please let me know. I'd love to have dinner with you or lunch or coffee or whatever. I just want to learn from you. So he texted me. He said, I'm going to be in town. So I drove to meet him in Woodland Park, and he drove down from where he was, and we met in the coffee shop. And on the way there, I thought, you know what, I'm going to give him an offering because I believe in, you know, if you hear the word, it's good to, to give. It's good to sow where you're fed. That's why I believe, you know, it's good to sow into your local church, your home church. It's good to give financially there. Give to ministries you, you, uh, you learn from. So I, thought, I want to give to him. So I got my checkbook out. It was a little tight at the time. It was a few years ago. It was a little tight in our checking account. Just, so I was going to write a check for $500. I thought, no, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it for $1,000. I'm going to walk by faith. So I wrote a check for $1,000. I get to this coffee shop and he's there in line waiting for coffee. And I said, oh, sir, thank you for meeting me. I said, I have an offering for you. So he took my check. He didn't even open it. He took my check, put it in his pocket. And then he said, well, I've got an offering for you, Ashley. And I felt a bit like, this is weird. Like, he's the man of God. I'm here to learn from him. Why is he giving me an offering? This is a bit strange. So I didn't really know what to say. I felt a bit like Peter, you know. It says that Peter, not knowing what to say, said. So Ashley, not knowing what to say, said. I put my foot in my mouth. I said, well, I wonder whose offering's bigger then. He didn't laugh. I was like, oh, this is awkward. And he just looked straight at me without laughing, dead straight. And he said, my offering's bigger than yours. And I thought, he hasn't even opened my check. How could he know that his offering's bigger than mine? This is confusing. So we got our coffee, sat down, and he pulled my check out of his pocket, and he opened it for the first time. He looked at it and went, hmm. Put it to one side. Pulled his checkbook out and wrote me a check for $4,000. I was like, oh, praise the Lord. So he said, this is awesome. So he said, um, he said, actually, he said, the Lord spoke to me before I met with you. And he said, if you gave me anything today... I was to quadruple it back to you. Whatever you gave me, I was to quadruple it back to you. Now, my first thought was, praise God, I gave a 1000 and not 500 <laughs> I'm just doing the math. I'm already $2,000 better off. This is awesome. And then he said this to me. He said, actually, if you'd known that I was going to quadruple whatever you gave today, if you'd known that ahead of time, would it have changed how you gave to me? And I said, I've got to be honest, sir. If I'd known that, he said, you trust me. I said, I trust you. You're a man of your word. 
He said, would it have, I said, it would have changed. He said, how would it have changed? I said, well, I would have given more. I said, I would have got all the money I could have got. I would have got, got into my bank accounts. I would have checked the back of the sofa. I would have got the kids' piggy banks. I mean, I would have got all the money I could have got to give to you if I knew you was going to quadruple it back to me. He said, we've got a problem then. He says, you don't really believe the word of God. He said, because listen to me, he goes, he's a really intense person. He goes, God never takes, he only multiplies. He said, whatever you give in the kingdom of God, he always multiplies. It might not be instant. He said, but he always multiplies what you put in the kingdom of God. And I was like, man, what a visual lesson. What a life, a life lesson. It's true. God's not a taker. His very nature is a giver. So if he's asking you to give to him, it's because he's trying to get more to you. And if what you've got right now is not enough to whatever it is, it's not enough. It's because you're looking at your seed. You're not looking at your harvest. And if we eat that seed and don't sow it, we're not going to see that harvest. So I'm telling you, if you want to recession-proof your life, you want to get to the point where it doesn't matter which way the economy is going, this will work if the economy is going up, down, sideways. This will work in recessions, depressions. This will work in pandemics, pandemics. This will work in your own personal recession. This will work any time. I'm telling you, you believe that the blessing of the Lord makes you rich. You get that on the inside of you, Lord, I'm rich. I thank you, Lord. I'm prosperous. I thank you, Lord. You've prospered me. You put your hand to something diligent. You say, Lord, I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to give thanks for this job. I'm going to give thanks for this business. I'm going to do everything, just like Colossians 3.13. I'm going to do it at 3.17. Whatever I do, I'm going to do it as unto worship to you. I'm going to do it as unto you. I'm going to be diligent. And then you be generous. You say, God, I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to be generous to you. I want to, I want to increase more so I can give more. I want to help more people. I want to sow more into the church. I want to sow more into missionaries. I want to sow, sow more into missions and, and benevolence. I want to give more. You get those three things going in your life, I'm telling you, I don't care what the economy is doing, you're going to prosper because God's word does not return void. Amen?